Leo Girard. President Leo Girard is international president of the United Steelworkers Union. Uh, more than a pleasure to have with us, vice president of the AFL-CIO. And uh, President Girard, good afternoon. Happy Monday. Uh, although many of us not happy about another deadly trade deal. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. Uh, good afternoon and uh, happy Monday to you. And no happy trade deals along the way. And it's that song. Remember that song, Happy Trails, to you? Yeah, well, I that's do. that's the song now. Happy <laughs> Trails. <laughs> uh, you know, every Monday I read your great blog at, uh, on the Huffington Post front page, as everybody should. And, you know, we put it out there for everybody who listens to us or has any connection to our program uh, to read. Uh, first of all, talk about why this is yet another deadly trade deal. There are even people that once supported it, that hit, like Hillary Clinton and, and many, uh, you know, others out there who say, look, uh, you, when you look at the specifics, when you look at what it could have been versus what it ended up to be, this is not a good deal. This is not in the best interest of America, America's working force. And it, it doesn't benefit the United States uh, even equally, never mind more beneficially. And any trade deal we have, really, we should have the upper hand. It's a, look at it. It's a, it's a corporate arrangement. It's not a trade deal. It's a, I mean, I'd even go so far as to say now that it's barely even an investment deal. It, it, it's a corporate arrangement deal, and uh, I mean, there's just so much bad with this that, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm actually shocked uh, that. And you know how loyal and how committed I've been to President Obama. I can't find one reason, one rational reason why he would be for this based on his principles of what he's fought for for his whole political life up till now. And uh, pick a subject. Pick a subject. Rules of origin. Uh, written so complicated that uh, we're not quite sure exactly whether it uh, is 45% uh, from TPP countries to be considered domestically produced or whether it's 30% or something in between. So let's take the best example on rules of origin. 45% from the TPP countries to be considered domestic. That means there's 55% for China. They didn't have to need a seat at the table. They were there without us. Then you take the 45%, and how much of that 45% can come from Vietnam, Burma, Brunei, Malaysia? Go through them. I want to know what Republicans are going to vote on because in, in Brunei, they practice Sharia law, yeah. uh, which outlaws unions, by the way. In Malaysia, they use forced labor. In Vietnam, a communist country, outlaws the labor movement. You're allowed to have a labor union, but it has to be affiliated to the Communist Party. So just pick those three. So of the 45%, some of it can come from those countries. They can ship it to Mexico. They can assemble the car in Mexico and ship it to the United States for sale, duty-free. There's one. Uh, currency. They can, every one of those countries that manipulates their currency, Japan, uh, Malaysia, uh, China, nothing will do about currency manipulation. Enforcement. Uh, we can't enforce the laws we have now. How many cases? The unions filed like 27 cases. We've won 95%. Why? Because China cheats. No change in the enforcement. Although China's not part of the TPP, 
China, China has announced that they've got a 16-country Asian arrangement now that includes India and China together. So how big will that race to the bottom be? China has 1.3 billion people, 300 million of them living in North American middle-class lifestyle. That means there's a billion people still out there as, literally as peasants. This is just bad all the way around, Leslie. History, we should not let repeat itself when it's bad. We as a nation felt and still feel the sting from a bad trade deal known as NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Is TPP NAFTA with just different letters, Leo? Uh, no, I think uh, TPP is <clears throat> NAFTA on steroids. Every single part of it is worse than NAFTA. <clears throat> Let me take again rules of origin. To be considered a domestically produced vehicle, uh, you needed to have 62.5% domestic content, North American content. They then went to Australia and they did a deal for 50%. They then went to uh, South Korea and they did a deal for 35% domestic content. And as I say, they went into the um, rules of origin provision of the Trans-Pacific Partnership and they've got it down between 45 and 35%. But to make up that other percentage, you can uh, have it from China. You could have it from North Korea. Nothing banned North Korea. You could have it from anywhere. And so it's worse on that regard. State-owned enterprise, there's no way to enforce them uh, and what they do. Uh, so um, just every aspect of it, the ISDS, the dispute settlement system, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a corporate court. And they've now expanded the ISDS, so now there's over 10,000 companies that could sue America because American regulations inhibited their profit-making. So um, let's assume that somebody wanted to manufacture drugs uh, but they uh, in another country, and they wanted a different length of time for before you could introduce a, um, a uh, generic drug. Is that subject to lawsuit? And, and the administration says, well, there's, there's no track record of them winning these cases. There's about 700 cases in the pipeline now against Canada, Mexico, United States, by corporations that say that those regulations inhibited their ability to make money. So uh, the ISDS portion is even worse. There's, I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, the, the administration would say that on um, uh, labor rights, that on labor rights they've improved labor rights. In fact, in, in a number of these countries, they have several years to introduce basic ILO principles, and ILO is International Labor Organization principles. Well, America hasn't passed an ILO convention in 50 years, and so we think we're going to get Vietnam to pass them. All Vietnam has to do is say, we'll pass them when you pass them. I want people, to, know, be clear. I want people to be clear, Leo, with what you're talking about. Um, and because my, my understanding of this, and like you said, it's pretty clear, is that with TPP, the way it is currently written, foreign companies can actually sue America, our country, yes. if we yes. do something allegedly that hurts their profits. That's right. That, that's, that's what we call the ISDS. And, in, uh, and, and the other thing we need to keep in mind, that, that, that you know, we've talked about this on your show before, it enrages me. It makes me absolutely uh, 
dumbfounded that the fast-track provisions that were passed through the House and Senate just a few months back, these were not fast-track provisions for this trade deal. These were fast-track provisions that will last six years. Why did they pick six years? Because there's at least two more trade agreements that are being negotiated simultaneously and relatively in secret. What's called the BIT, and it's a trade agreement with China over services. So I'll give you an example. You could have Chinese lawyers writing real estate deals uh, using American law, and you buy that service from a Chinese operation. You could have a Chinese radiologist reading your, your radiology reports that you can send quickly now by over by email. Boom. Uh, so that uh, that agreement is called the BIT. It's being negotiated with China as we speak. And then there's another agreement that's being negotiated with Europe called TTIP. Well, there were close to 500,000 people that took to the streets in Europe uh, just in the last few months against this trade deal because of the ISDS, the ability of companies to sue countries. And what it's really designed to do, Leslie, is, is it's like why I call it a corporate deal. It's, it's a corporate deal that is bypassing the legal system of each of the countries that will take it to a corporate court and adjudication provision that will determine whether or not uh, your rules and regulations inhibited that company from making maximizing their profitability. When in the hell has the world decided it's going to be run on profitability as opposed to how well you're t taking care of your people? Especially with the United States at the helm. Leah, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with President Gerard right after this. If you get the phone and join us, you have a question about TPP. You have comments about TPP. I mean, should another country be able to sue us if we're going to infringe upon the ability for them to have bigger and larger profits? Hello? And let's talk about the encouragement that TPP provides for corporations to ship more jobs overseas to offshore manufacturing. Don't we have a decimation of American jobs? Don't we have kids coming out of school and no ability to go anywhere to work? Even though the jobs report was very encouraging... And even though the numbers were larger than economists predicted, there's still not the numbers that we need to see to offset the pain that this country is still reeling from as a result of the recession. And shipping jobs overseas, as TPP will continue to do, doesn't benefit Americans, the American worker, or the middle class. We're going to talk more about that with President Gerard when we come back. 8886-LESLIE is our number. Pick up the phone and join us. He's only with us in this hour. We want to hear from you. 888-653-7543. Agree or disagree on this? Is there anybody out there who likes this deal? It doesn't benefit anybody left or right. The only people it benefits, quite frankly, are the other countries who are part of TPP and workers in those nations. They're going to take your job readily. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Pick up the phone and join us. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Tweet us there. Follow Leo at USW Blogger. And in the break, check out USW.org. Back after this. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE.
Marshall. Good afternoon. It is Monday, and we welcome back President Leo Girard, International President of the United Steelworkers. President Girard is talking to us about TPP and trade, and they made a statement just before the weekend on Friday, and they provided a broad overview of the problems with TPP. The bottom line, as you hear President Girard telling us, is it's a job killer. President Girard, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, let's continue and take some calls. First up, out of New Mexico on line two, Marianne joins us. Uh, Marianne, comment or question regarding TPP uh, with our guest, President Leo Gerard from the United Steelworkers. Yes, good afternoon. Um, yes, uh, comment and um, question, I guess. Well, first of all, um, not only will it take away jobs, but the TPP will allow countries, foreign countries, to um, affect not only, you know, the federal government, but, but city government, town government, municipalities, they will be able to, um, it, it, we're fighting all over America right now to, uh, with global warming and with many, many other issues that are killing our planet and we're killing ourselves. We're fighting this, you know, in a, it's coming up to be a, a, an amazing fight. So, so while this is happening, this, this, this agreement says that any country that says that goes into a certain area and wants to pump gas or pollute the water or, or on and on, they, they can sue that municipality for, for, um, not, for what, like what you were just saying, for not being able to earn money. That, that is what is, this is going to do. And, and, and this, this is on, I had heard, I mean, you know, I know very much about this. And, and, um, it's very interesting that, you know, um, President Usher from the steel industry, um, yes, it's very interesting that President Obama is, um, going with this agreement. My question is, okay, I do have a question here, but, but, the fact that um, we're being the world, the world is being sold out by a few people who are in charge, and and you know here we have the president of of the steel corporations of the steel labor. I don't, I'm not quite sure, sir. I, I'm, I want to be very respectful, but and and you, and we don't know why our president is agreeing to this. Well, we can only assume, and I could say this, that he is sold out like everybody else. All right. All right. So the the, que- the question would be, why would our president um, uh, agree to this? And I don't think it's a disrespectful question for President uh, for President Gerard. Let's let uh, President Gerard answer. Uh, president Gerard, you you scratch your head at this, right? I mean, even though he's not running for reelection, this is a man who has legacies. It could be his legacy to have more job growth, especially after a recession. And in a presidential election year, this is suicide politically for Republicans and Democrats alike. Well, let me, let me just say that uh, if there's one thing that has uh, been bipartisan in uh, the last 25 years, it's been Republicans and presidents endorsing trade deals. And I say Republicans and presidents because there's not a trade deal that could pass in the Democratic House, period, without Republicans. 
And what you end up with is almost every Republican and then a handful of sort of right-wing Democrats throwing in with them. And uh, so it's not just that we can't figure out why the president would be for this, but we can't figure out why any elected politician would be for this, especially if you look at the historical record. And the historical record is that literally America has an accumulated trade deficit, and a trade deficit is fundamentally a wealth transfer because you're having to borrow to buy stuff from other countries, and uh, you're not able to sell them stuff that equal to what you're buying from them, so you borrow and you create a trade deficit. Well, the accumulated trade deficit that we have with China is 7 to 8 to $9 trillion, depending on which economist you expect or you accept. All right, we're going to take uh, a quick break. Point, the one point that I, the woman was making, I well, think. Well, wait one sec. President Gerard, I apologize for the interruption. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back so that you can speak to her point. We have more calls to take. If you're holding, hang on. And if you want to join us, join us now. 8886-LESLIE. We're talking TPP. It's bad for America and why. Back with our guest president, Leo Gerard, international president of the United Steelworkers Union. He's telling us about TPP, how it's a deadly deal. His blog entitled the TPP, another deadly trade deal. It came out today. And on Friday, um, he is president and the USW issued a statement. And that statement, by the way, provided a broad overview of all the problems. And there are many with TPP. Bottom line is it's a job killer. Before the break, President Gerard was responding to a caller's earlier comments and question. Uh, president Gerard, please continue before we move on with the other callers. You did want to remark on that woman in New Mexico's questions and comments. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I'm not sure what the exact point that she was making on sort of like why is a person from a company that, or an industry that makes steel concerned about the environment. So Manufacturing. Part, <laughs> part, part, part of why we are is, first of all, any of that uh, pollution goes, before it goes out the plant, it's in the plant with our members. So we fight every day on environmentally safe workplaces. And in the case of the steel industry, uh, I'll just make this one point. For every ton of steel that's produced in China, they produce four times the amount of carbon emissions that are done by the average American company. And so every ton of paper, the same thing. Every uh, pound of aluminum, the same thing. China's environmental standards are multitude of times worse than ours and uh, getting away with it. So we've got to fight on all fronts, and for the for the lady again, uh, every environmental group in the country has sided with the steelworkers against the TPP. And and thank you for that. Our caller is uh, listening, but not online. Uh, that was Marianne in New Mexico. Let's now go to Washington State on line two with Paul. Paul, good afternoon. Welcome. Question or comment for President Gerard? Hi, Leslie. Yeah, there's. Not a man more deserving of a Samuel Gompers Award than Leo Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, I, here's what I'm concerned about is the, um, with regard to the prescription, the, the pharmaceutical companies, from what I understand, the, 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 deal in the, the, the deal in the TPP is much like what happened with uh, Medicare Part D. In other words, Medicare is not allowed to negotiate drug prices 
with the pharmaceutical companies. And this is what they want to do pretty much worldwide, is not yeah. allow anybody to negotiate drug prices. And this is like, this, 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 this reeks of like the mob running competition out of the neighborhood. Um, this becomes just legalized drug pushing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that with the Republican Congress, since they're the ones who passed the, the Medicare Part D uh, drug prescription plan, which got us into the situation with Medicare, this is what they want for prescription drugs. And I'm wondering if this is the same kind of thing they want for all industries. Uh, you're, you're, first of all, you're 100% right. And it comes at it from the prescription drug two ways. One is... Uh, they want restrictions on the length of time you can move from uh, a regular drug to a generic drug. Right. So that I, I'll make I'll make up a number because I don't have it on the top of my head. Let's say that you needed to have a patent for five years uh, before you could move to a generic drug. TPP will be have it for ten years. Right. Some extended number, and then on top of that, you're not allowed to negotiate if drugs are from Canada. Uh, to the U.S., you can have your drug provisions in Canada, but you can't lower the price. Same thing in the U.S. And, and the, the drug provisions is, uh, again, an extremely complicated scenario. And, and what you got to remember, all of this lends itself to disputes, and this disputes will be between companies, not countries, companies, and countries. And it will go to the WTO, that is bypassing the legal system of the TPP countries, and it will go to the WTO, and it will go to a corporate tribunal formed by the WTO. So basically the whole trade arrangement is taken out of the national legal framework of all the countries and brought into a corporate uh, legal framework. So this is very, very dangerous, and I don't understand, to be blunt, and to support that lady that called earlier as well, I don't understand the rationale of anybody who would be prepared to turn over their national sovereignty over to a sort of shadowy third-party organization. And we've got, remember now, we've got not only TPP, we've got the BIT in services with China and the TTIP in trade with Europe, that are all going to fall under this WTO adjudication process, cutting out the legal framework of all the countries. Uh, Paul, uh, thank you for your comments you. and your questions. We appreciate it. Always, uh, you know, a great contributor to the program. President Gerard, in, in your piece um, entitled the TPP, Another Deadly Trade Deal, and which people can read front page, Huffington Post, and every Monday, but this piece today, you know, you talk about something I found very interesting, which is a possible... And I, and I think it's very plausible, correlation mm -hmm. between people who have less opportunity and who are unemployed, who are depressed, who are desperate, they're in despair. We have seen higher suicide rates. We have seen people, you know, killing themselves and sometimes others with guns, with drugs, with yeah. alcohol. Do, do you think that with TPP we're going to face perhaps more tragedy in the future? Look at, uh, I, I think part of that, uh, it was a study done by uh, two, pro, two uh, Princeton economists that uh, was published just not uh, too long ago. I think it was published Last week. two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we, we studied it carefully. And the, the conclusion that they come to is life expectancy 
was extending, meaning people were having longer life expectancies, except for white male, white, excuse me, male, white, uh, sort of middle class uh, workers. And if you correlate that as they did with uh, the loss of jobs, you've got lots of mid-level industrial America where white males had many of the jobs and they're unable to find new jobs. Their economic conditions are deteriorating and according to the study, they've turned to drugs, they've got stress, they've turned to alcohol and some of them in the suicide rates are way, way up in that, that group. So uh, it's not a, uh, it's not a uh, impossibility is the way they would put it that this growth in suicides uh, and the, the shortening of life expectancy for that group is directly related to the deindustrialization of the country. Remember, we lost, uh, we haven't, and we haven't done a count since 2014. From 2000 to 2014, we had lost 62,000 factories in America, of which probably 75% of them are factories that were moved offshore either Mexico or China or some other place. And we've had dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of plant closures where the industry can't compete with the Chinese cheating. And, and I just, you know, re, 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 remind people, just in one product line, in tires and, and tire and rubber with uh, light truck tires, we're now filing our third case in a row against China for the same thing. The tire industry in America went from having about 145 to 150,000 direct employed workers to now somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000. What's displaced that? Imported dumped Chinese tires. We talked about it on your show before. The aluminum industry has now uh, closed all its U.S. smelters except one because they can't compete with China. China has uh, half of the world's aluminum and it can't produce, it can't consume it at home, so it's dumping it on the market. China's got more than half, more than half of the world's steel consumption and they can't consume it in their own country, so they're dumping it around the world. And they're killing the steel industry in the UK, in Europe, in Canada, United States, Mexico, Brazil, uh, Australia. Um, you know, so that. Uh, yeah, this is a, a trade deal that, that uh, we think will uh, cause more industrial havoc and it will cause people of color uh, will have much harder time getting jobs and getting equality. We'll have much more inequity. inequity. We'll have probably a hell of a lot more people that are going to turn to suicide and drugs and alcohol as some type of attempted remedy and it doesn't work. In in the past, what, 14, 15 years, approximately 56,000 American factories and thousands and thousands of jobs along with it, uh, when they closed, uh, they died. And, and we're talking about death. Is the middle class doomed to die as a result of this and this continued idea that let's make it quicker and cheaper overseas, putting more money in the CEO corporation's pockets. And I say that because history has taught us, when we look at Louis and Marie, who lost their head over this uh, bourgeoisie, uh, that that just having a society with haves and have-nots does not work. Well, we're we're looking, let me, statistically, 
China has 1.3 billion people. If 300 million of those people, which is what they say, are living a North American middle-class lifestyle, that leaves a billion people they've got to try and keep happy. In America, we no longer, we have 330 million people. I couldn't begin to tell you what the middle class really is if you count um, men, women, and children in a middle class family. But I do know this. It's falling faster than we can count it. And so the, the fact of the matter is that unless we stem the tide, and, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily want to blame China because they're doing what they want to do to keep their people employed. I blame our politicians. I, bl I blame global corporations who say they have no borders. You know, there's a new article out that uh, I'm not normally promoting articles on your show, but there's a new article I think everyone should read. It's called The New China Syndrome, and it was in the November issue of Harper's. And it really the title is American Business Meets Its New Master by Barry Lynn. And I, I've read this thing three times now. And uh, it's worth everyone reading because it tells us how China, with the wealth we've turned over to them, are managing to put American companies, to put them in line. As an example, uh, um, Apple stepped out of line according to Chinese rules. The Chinese government called Apple in, berated the CEO, told them they were going to slap a $500 million fine on them if he didn't apologize. And he went and apologized publicly to all the Chinese people. Uh, Ford Motor Company told if they didn't tow the line, they wouldn't be able to sell cars. China doesn't have the kind of legal framework that we have in America. And so, am I worried? You're damn right I'm worried. Every commodity, we're a commodity union now primarily. Every commodity now is flooded with Chinese overcapacity. We have five paper companies that are filing trade cases because they're getting swamped. We have aluminum industry that is down to one smelter and filing trade case. We have a steel industry that's been knocked on its butt I don't know how many times. We've got a tire and rubber industry that's getting hammered, and we're on our third set of trade cases against the Chinese for the same deal. They're, they're, they're trying to outlast us, and they can because they don't follow traditional business models. They use state-owned enterprises. Their state-owned enterprises are making money, and they turn over to the federal government. They turn it over to their military. We've got lots of those facilities that are, in fact, owned by the military. And China's out building a blue-water navy now with our money. And this is this is pretty much not only you know stupidity. It's it's definitely anti-American and and against any kind of opportunity for Americans. Leah, we're going to take a quick break. President Gerard will be with us for one more segment after this break. I hope you'll join us. Pick up the phone and do so. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. He spoke to you just now uh, in, in this segment about the two Princeton economists who last week published a study showing that white middle-aged Americans with high school diplomas or less education are dying at a faster rate than they did before. NAFTA, what will happen after TPP, and if you don't get the white guys or the majority of the population at least to 2054 uh, to stand up and say something and do something about this, 
and who else will? That's the majority right now in our nation. Uh, we'll be back right after this. 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Pick up the phone and join us. We'll talk more, and we'll talk more specifics as to why the USW, with President Gerard at the helm, opposes the Trans Pacific Partnership. Again, bottom line, it's an American job killer. Back to you, back to him right after this. Check out their website, usw.org. Follow him on Twitter at USW Blogger, and follow me at Leslie Marshall. We'll incorporate your tweets and get more of your calls right after this. 8886 Leslie, 888-653-7543. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Gerard, international president of the United Steelworkers, vice president of the AFL-CIO, and we're talking about TPP, uh, the piece in the Huffington Post front page, and you can find Leo's blogs for the Huffington Post every Monday, this one entitled the TPP, Another Deadly Trade a Deal. Um, we know, Leo, that you, uh, the USW, and president as president of the USW, oppose uh, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership. Um, l- let's talk specifically and break it down even further how much of a job killer this would be. And, and you guys presented this overview on Friday. And i got to say, I think it's very comprehensive. It's easy for people to understand. And I think people really need to be aware of how much of an American job killer this is. And there's absolutely zero benefit uh, to the American employment landscape in the future, despite what some may want people to believe. Well, look, at I... Uh... I, I, I've used the term that this is a, a knife in the heart of manufacturing in America. That this is a, a, a if you if you go through this slice by slice, piece by piece, you cannot find anything in there that's going to be beneficial to American manufacturing. And in fact, the Peterson Institute, which is not a left-wing think tank and is always pro-free trade, they had the courage to put out a report that shows that in heavy manufacturing, we'd, we'd lose an additional about $55 billion worth of uh, industrial capacity and in light manufacturing even more. So that in the manufacturing sector, there's only losers. They claim that in the financial sector, there'll be benefits. Now, if the benefits that the financial sector gets is by being able to ship services offshore and get them done cheaper, that isn't going to create any jobs in America. So th- this this is a devastating deal. And, and as I said, rules of origin, enforcement, currency manipulation, state-owned enterprises, and none of those industrial ISDS going to do more and more countries uh, or companies, I'm sure, being able to sue us. Yeah. And to have that process taken out of the American legal system and turned over to a European adjudication body called the WTO, uh, not even affiliated to the United Nations, this is a corporate takeover of the global economy between this, the BIT, and uh, the uh, deal they want to do with Europe. Well, and so 
It's, it's about, as I said, Leslie, I'm now reaching the point where this has very little to do with trade. It has very much to do with the corporatization of the global economy. And so corporations will be able to sue countries at will, and those adjudications will go to a corporately comprised panel that will then determine what the rules of capitalism are around the world. And, and it's, I think it's a, it's a very scary time. I agree. Freddie in Texas has a question on line two. Freddie, good afternoon. Question. Uh, I understand you yeah, have a question doing? for I'm, President uh, Gerard. Yeah, yeah. thanks for taking my call. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, um, my, my worry is I'm, I'm I have, I have two, three, three children, and I'm worried about, uh, our, you know, do you think that if the next administration doesn't do the right thing or up to the game in our economy, do you think we're, we're more likely to hit another, uh, another depression like the 2008? Well, look at uh, my, my, my concern, Freddie, is that, uh, as I said, going back more than 30 years, going back to Ronald Reagan, there has not been an administration, Republican or Democrat, that has done the right thing on trade. So we can't put our faith in the administration of the next election, whoever that could be. We've got to go to the grassroots. We've got to go to uh, our, our, our workers, our churches, our environmentalists. We've got to go where the people are and educate them so that they're not going to send anybody to Washington in the House or the Senate that is going to be for these rotten trade deals that steal our jobs. And... It, I, I don't think it'll be the kind of collapse we saw in 07, 08, 09. I think what it's going to be is the continuous erosion of good middle-class supporting jobs, and, and you're going to find the downward pressure on wages. Again, let me remind everybody that in real wages in, in after inflation, the average so-called middle-class worker in America is making the same amount they were making in about 1971. And there's nothing, and there's no, and there's nothing right about that. Nobody can even argue that, right, Leo? Leo, we love having you with us. The hour flew again. President Leo Gerard, follow him on Twitter at USW Blogger. Go to the website to find out more about this, USW.org.